Maybe you'll, you'll discover it that all your life you waited to be able to cut and no one told you that that was your, that was your special gift. Welcome to The Wagon Live, where each week we bring you stories from entrepreneurs around the world. This week, we're talking to Usama Amar, one of the co-founders of The Family, a long-term strategic investor that has helped over 500 startups since 2013. Usama has a massive wealth of knowledge and some great stories, so sit back and enjoy. There is no real word to describe what we do at The Family, but there is our name that really gives a sense of our mission. We try to be a family for entrepreneurs, and as a family, we try to do everything the family provides. We educate people, we support people, and we finance people. We started in Paris in March 2013. Um, we helped more than 500 startups over the way. 228 survive, one of the 10 fundraised some VC money, and five of them now have ended more than 50 million. That just gives you a a sense of the pipeline in the VC industry. Uh, we are now in Berlin, London and Paris and we are launching a new version of the family that is more European by DNA. So six months ago we decided to close the family for three months and rebuild everything from zero to, to make it more European. And so in terms of infrastructure, what the family now is, is a super specialized office for fundraising in London. Uh, a super specialized office for product design and swag in Paris, and a super specialized office in Berlin around scale, sales, and discipline. So you see, we really adopt the caricature of, of Europe. And, and I think it's a kind of story that, that can help us build a more European ecosystem, because right now there is this silly competition between Paris, London, Berlin to know who will be the next Silicon Valley. And as an insider, I can tell you the answer is no one. Like there is no chance Paris, London or Berlin becomes the next Silicon Valley. But all together as a distributed platform, taking the best part of each, then maybe we can do something better. And that's our mission. We are not here to do something that Silicon Valley is trying to do. We are trying to leapfrog what Silicon Valley built in the innovation and try to, to build our own story of what it means to, to build a startup. Cool. And so now you are uh, essentially reopening applications for entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. So, so, so if you have a startup, you can go on to family.co slash apply, uh, fill the form, and we will be super happy to call you back. Uh, we, we are like, to be honest, we don't really look at projects. We look at people. So, and, and our very simple criteria is to find people that fit with our, with our culture. So that's why we publish a lot of content and that's why we try to, to give as much as we can so people are warned about who we are and how we work. Uh, it's a good filter of the people. If you read our content and you don't like it, don't apply. It's, <laughs> it's worse inside. That's a soft version. <laughs> so, so yeah, so feel free to apply. I will be happy. Which was going to bring me to my next questions. What kind of people do you like to invest in you personally? Uh, you said something very strong, like I think in your presentations on thefamily.co, which is uh, I invest in people who want to build empires. Yeah, it's, uh, so for the people that know um, broad, broad walk empire, uh, it's a Breaking Bad and broad, broad walk empire reference. It's not actually what it is. Um, so actually, I, I invest in people that watch way too much of Netflix. 
no, but uh, most seriously, I think a lot of people ask me what, how do you know that someone is a good entrepreneur or blah, blah, blah. And after four years doing what we are doing and seeing thousands of people, uh, then you, you come up with this conclusion that is very unsatisfying, uh, that is very frustrating, is that it's just a question of luck. Like I, I, I will tell you the truth is that if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, you need to be lucky. But the problem is what does it mean to be lucky? To be lucky, people will be like, yeah, I will just wait that luck come to me and I will be lucky. No, actually, being lucky is a very proactive process. You need to work. Uh, you need to be really believing in what you do because you need to distort reality to a point that is almost insane. And you need to be keep pushing and pushing and pushing until you get lucky. Because some, pe some people get lucky very fast. Some people get lucky very slow. <laughs> and <laughs> the truth is that the real differentiator is how much energy do you put in your startups. So if you think that way and you want to look for people, then you, your only criteria is to try, yeah, I want the new iPhone too. I try to crack it all the time. <laughs> that's that's the best thing I like. So the truth is that if you look for this kind of criteria, you are looking for people that are really passionate about what they do. The truth is that being passionate about what you do is super, super uncommon. Uh, I see so many entrepreneurs that if you dig inside them, very fast you understand that they are trying to look for something that works. But the problem is that it's too hard to be right. So you need to look for people that are insane to, to, <laughs> to a point where there is no rational about why they do something. And when you dig, you, you realize that they don't really know why they are doing that. And that's the best entrepreneurs. And that's why selection as a family is super unbiased, it's, it's, super, it's super biased. Because you look for people that have truth about what they do and really are sincere. And of course, most of you in this room, you are lost by definition. Because most of you, you are like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur, that's my will. So I need to find a project. So then you try to convince yourself that you love your project. And if we ask you, do you love your project? You will be like, yeah, of course I love your project. But me, I know what it means to love a project. You can be a VC, you can, you can do a lot of things in the entrepreneurship world. But if you want to be that special one that build an empire in that sense, you, you need to be very special. Do you have, could you give us like, not necessarily the name, but like uh, the profile of a person like this that you're following? We or? have so many of them. Yeah. You, can, you can look at Teddy Pellerin from Itch. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can look at Guillaume from Agricole. Uh, let's take another example, Agricole. Yeah. Agricole, they, they build fruit and vegetables in shipping containers automatically without any pesticide using green energy. It looks like the perfect company. You know, everybody loves this company. But imagine the pitch when they arrived in the family. Yeah, we have a shipping container in the backyard of my friend. And we imagine that we can grow strawberries and eat. And actually, the strawberries are good. <laughs> yeah, OK. So you are telling me we will go and convince millions of people to eat strawberries growing in containers? Yeah, and by the way, we need 20 million to do that because it's super capital intensive. <laughs> Great, welcome to the family, guys. It's a, it's a lovely idea. But still, he's, he's, he's so passionate about it, believes so much, 
that is able to pull out things that are impossible. For example, I will give you a very specific situation. Uh, one year and a half ago, they raised, I think, something like 5 million. And that 5 million was supposed to stay for two years. And they burned it in seven months. <laughs> and, and the company was like two weeks. In two weeks, the company was out of cash. And you ask Guillaume, do you sleep well? So yeah, of course, why not? <laughs> it's just money, you know. You see, that's that's a test. That's that's and that's why he raised again, because when you are at the table with investor, and the investor is like, you know, you have no cash in two weeks. I have leverage on you, and the guy look at you and say, no, you don't have leverage on me. I have leverage on you, because if I have no cash in two weeks, I don't give a fuck. I will build another company, but I will not let you invest in this new one because you are a jerk. <laughs> no, 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 that's not what I mean. <laughs> so you see, it's like, and, and that come down to something that is not factual. Because factually, if you have two weeks left of cash, they have the power. But if you are an entrepreneur, you believe so much in you that, of course, you believe that. But it's delusional, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not a reality, it's a reality distortion. And the, when I tell you this story, it looks good, but the truth is that most of the people that have two weeks left in cash, they die. Like, it's not, it's not like every time if you have two weeks left in cash, you just yell at people and they give you money. No, that's why it's so special. If you, if you want a good image to understand that, you can imagine an experiment I, I let everyone imagine. Let's imagine that we go in the kitchen all together and I give to everyone here the same eggs the same uh, chocolate, uh, the same ingredients. And I tell you, everyone here has two hours to cook a chocolate cake. And I give you the perfect recipe to cook the perfect cake. There is someone in this room that will do a better cake than everyone else. Why? Because maybe he did a lot of cake, or maybe because he likes more chocolate, or maybe because he's gifted, or maybe whatever. But still, someone, there will be a singular person in this room that do the best cake. And that is entrepreneurship. It's not a question of the ingredients, because good entrepreneurs, they change the ingredients. It's not a question of recipe, because good entrepreneurs don't follow recipe. It's not a question of how much time you have, because any constraint, they will deliver something. It's just a question that there is the right match between what they are trying to do and who they are. And there is only one way to know if you are someone like that, is to try. That's why I think everyone should try once. Because you, you never know, you know, it's like. But you have to be very, very honest with yourself. If you try and it doesn't work out, you need to come up to the conclusion that maybe it's not for you. And by the way, if you come up to this conclusion, because you are too desperate, it's because it's not for you. Because that's a, that's a retrospective of the test. It's that it's a recursive test. It's because it's not for you that you feel it's not for you. If you don't feel that, like that and you're delusional, it's step one to be a good entrepreneur. And I wish that to no one. Because we don't talk enough about what are the consequences of that kind of psychology. That's why entrepreneurs, good entrepreneurs, always have fucked up family life. And I can tell you, I talk with every wife of all the entrepreneurs and every husband of all my entrepreneurs. Like, you don't imagine the level of feedback. They feel like nothing is important in their life. I will not give you the name, but we have one of our entrepreneurs that got a baby the day of a super important investor meeting. 
He called his wife and said, look, the baby will not change my life, but that investor meeting can. So, sweetheart, please take care of that by yourself. Anyway, I'm not very useful in that room. We see, I see you later. Okay? Reasonable. I would have understood. Yeah. <laughs> so, things like that, you have two ways of seeing it. You can be like, this guy is a jerk. But actually, he's not. He's super nice. And he's super in love. It's just that his level of reality is super different. So you need someone that loves him enough to be like, yeah, I know. It's like his wife was like, I was not even expecting that you will come. <laughs> and, and he's now one of the most successful entrepreneurs of the family because he's really, and she can attest of this story because she was with us when that happened. Everyone at the family was like, even me, I was like, what's the fuck this guy? <laughs> like, you cannot, I'm, I'm not telling you it's something I will, I will never encourage anyone to do that to his wife. But, but, but you, you are like leaving it from the outside and you have this mix between fascination and be totally like, what the fuck? <laughs> like this mix together, that's, that's behavior of super intense entrepreneur. And, and again, it's a price yeah, not everyone is willing to pay. Sad question, but like how, how do you do when both members of a, in a relationship are entrepreneurs? <laughs> not a real question. So what do you mean? If uh, the oh, woman, yeah. yeah. We have cases like that. We have couples like that. They are both crazy, you know, it's like... They, <laughs> they, we have one couple that explained us that babysitter cost is the same cost. And they teach the kid to take care of them from itself. They're like, do I call social service or not? <laughs> it's a real ethical question that you start to ask yourself when you, you are dealing with all these crazy people on a daily basis. Okay, so, so entrepreneurs are a mix of like overconfidence, would you say, or not really? You wouldn't again, really say, yeah. I, I, again, it's not a pattern. It's more, yeah. it's more there's multiple ways to act like that. But it's mm. more the fact that you can look at them and feel that in a certain way they are super singular. Yeah, yeah. And that singularity, that, that, that fact that they are quite unique is, is what makes it surprising. Yeah. And, and everyone wants to think that it's singular, but most of us are not. We are just super average and in pattern and we, we just need to deal with that. It's singularity by definition is a minority. Because in any function the singularity is by definition a, a minority of this function. If everyone is singular, no one is singular. You know, there's a, there's a singularity exists because most of us act in average behavior. But so you were saying that once an entrepreneur or someone who calls himself or herself an entrepreneur fails, that person needs to be like, okay, maybe I'm not done for that. Maybe I'm not singular. But what if you have someone who's actually really gifted, like maybe uh, the founder of Save My, My Smartphone, but you have a first failure? Yeah. Like how many, how many tries before? It's a good example. It's one of our entrepreneurs scale a company to 26 million revenue a year in two years. Go from zero to 26 million a year. And at 26 million, he did a small logistic mistake and lost 18 million in a year. Okay, just to give you the numbers and the intensity of the numbers. And he survived that, find a way to sell the company, and he didn't make a lot of money, so it's a failure. But still, there are 600 people that works for him, that still have a job and work for a company that's still. So that's, you will not read that in the press. The press likes to call it a, a total failure, but the story is more complex. 
Damien did not even think about doing something else than being an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. It's not like he, he, he didn't come and be like, oh, I will write my CV. It was like, he, and, and, and for us, the problem was that he started way too soon something else. That's why we offer him a job as a part-time director with us, just to be like, look, maybe it's cool to think six months about what you will do next, you know? Mm. So yeah, you have some time to restrain them. 95% of the people that fail in the family, they ask us for a job. Yeah. And it's super natural. And we have them finding a super job. And I think if you have been an entrepreneur, you never see your job again. And you are much happier in your job after that because you test it. So you know, you know how, how bad it can go. So you're like, yeah, after all, going to work for someone is super cool. So the guy give me a salary and don't even ask me to, to achieve something. Um, you, you, you know, very often I ask people why they, why they become entrepreneurs. And I'm always fascinated about the wrong answer people give to this question. Answer number one is, oh, I want freedom, I don't want a boss. Okay, so forget entrepreneurship. Because being an entrepreneur is the worst position. Your boss is your employee, your boss is your investors, your boss is your parents, your boss is your girlfriend or boyfriend, your boss is everyone around you that thinks they can judge what you do because you're an entrepreneur. You know, being an entrepreneur is like being a parent when you are a young parents, there is always this weird feeling that everyone has an opinion about how you should raise your kid. Every, if you have kids, you will know that feeling. Or train uh, your dog. Or train your dog. <laughs> But that's true. Uh, <laughs> so, so when you're an entrepreneur, you, you, you don't have the freedom of your being your own boss. So the second reason people say, oh, I want to be rich. <coughs> okay, so being an entrepreneur is not the easiest way to be rich. Mm. Uh, go to work in banking is much more efficient to be rich. Or um, just to give you one number, um, the first 1,000 employee at Facebook, the first 1,000 employees. So you take employee 1,000. He made more money with his stock option than half of the entrepreneur that did an exit in the world. Okay. So, so and being an employee number 1,000 at Facebook, you are not a genius. You know, like here. It's not like, oh, you are visionary, you saw that it will work. You have nine, nine, nine people before you that kind of convinced you that it was okay. So employee 1000 made more money than, than, than the entrepreneur. So the, the last reason is people that say, because I want to have an impact. I love that one. Because being an entrepreneur is the worst way to have an impact. 90% of entrepreneurs never have an impact. Let, let, let's look at the guy that built Google Maps. Who used Google Maps here? Raise your hand. Okay, that's impact. So the Google Map founder was employee 15,000 at Google. Employee 15,000 at Google had more impact on the life of everyone in this room than 99.9% .9 of the entrepreneurs that try to be entrepreneurs. So all of these reasons are bullshit. And they are based on, on everything people want to believe. I'm, I'm a boss, I have impact, blah, blah, blah. But the truth is that there is only two reasons to become an entrepreneur that are real. The first one is you have no choice. That one is super strong. It's mine. I, I understand that super well. My name is Usama. I'm from a, a modest background in France. You know, I understand very fast that if I want to be part of the elite, I need to do something else than going to the elite school. It was super obvious. You know, it's like whatever you think about France, you know that it's not a very open society that have a lot of opportunities for people having my background. So 
when you have like this willpower, of course you're an entrepreneur because it's like the more the most natural way of building something that impacts your own life. You know? And the second reason to be an entrepreneur is that you really, really, really believe in something that no one else believes in. Outside these two reasons, it's always bullshit reason. Because that's the only two reasons that give you enough power to achieve against the wheel. Because when you have no choice, like for example, you take my case. If when I build my first company, I never think that I can fail. Because failure was not an option. Like even if I failed, I will find a way, you know, to bounce back. Because like what I will do, you know, I have you know, I never had a pay slip in my life. Never. I never received a salary from someone. I never did a curriculum. I never had a job. Uh, one, one day I, I tried to work for someone, he fired me after week, one week. And he told me that I should never try to get a job again in my life, for my own safety. So, when, when, when you are fucked up that way, of course you're an entrepreneur, what do you want to do? It's like, you're not, you're not like, oh yeah, sure, I'm, I'm going to look my opportunities. And by the way, that's why most of the people with high-level background have so much trouble to be entrepreneurs. Because at every step, they have options. They are like, yeah, should I go back in banking or do consulting or do my startup? Yeah, of course, great. <laughs> like, like if, if you have that many options, it's like having way too much uh, match on Tinder. You know, the, the, <laughs> there, there is a correlation between the number of match you have and if you are married or not. It's, it's a true statistic study, Cambridge Analytica, that show that more you have match by swipe, more your probability of being married go down. Same thing in entrepreneurship. You cannot be an entrepreneur and having way too much option. Because if you have too much option, you will always end up with the safest option. But that can be destroyed when you have something that is really inside your heart and, and you believe in something. So that's a, I, I think that's the true balance of entrepreneurship. Some people have a lot of options, but they really believe in something that for strange reason in their life, they fall in love for a subject and so they become entrepreneurs. Zuckerberg is a good example of that. Zuckerberg had all the options he wants in his life. Good family, good background, good school, Harvard. But he had something that really obsessed him. So he was perfect. He had to do Facebook. He had no other choice. And, 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 and that, that is super powerful. Outside that is super hard. Yeah, the, the co-founder of Gocardless, uh, which is a fintech company, uh, was here like three months ago. And he told us the same thing, but his sentence was just, I just could not not do it. Like, I, I had to do my company. That was just like you were saying. Yeah, like, a I had, example. Yeah, exactly. I had yeah. just, I just didn't have a choice. Yeah. So, but the family is really focused, and you'll tell me if I'm wrong, uh, on, on tech companies, right? Not on companies at, at large, or, or no, is it? It's even, even not tech companies, it's even smaller than that. Okay. We are obsessed about scalable business. Yeah, so high growth. So we are obsessed about finding a way to make something scale, and it can be in traditional industries. So the, the way I see the battlefield is that I think Silicon Valley won the battle in media advertising pure internet things you know like if, if you want to build a social network for dogs go to silicon valley it's like don't try like, i'm always 
fascinated by people that want to build Facebook outside, or the new Facebook or the new thing like outside the gallery. Well, like, okay, they have the infrastructure, they have the power, they have the money, they have the know-how, and you think that you can overcome all of that. Okay, good luck. Like, we watch you and see how it goes. But the methodology they use to build this kind of company, that you can call the hacker spirit, uh, being able to learn whatever you need to learn, uh, not a lot of respect for authority, uh, a huge hubris for destruction and creativity. All of that can be applied to everything. And if you look the battlefield, the battle is open in agriculture, it's open in energy, it's open in transport, it's open in retail, it's open in everything else than pure internet. And if, like, for example, you want to build the Google of agriculture, I think doing it from France, for example, it's an edge. Because everyone will always trust more French people to eat than anyone else. <laughs> you know, it's something you can understand. If you want to, to build the Google of finance, being in London makes sense. You will have more local resource than anywhere, anywhere else in the world. So, so I think entrepreneurship is going to explode globally but it will not replicate the way it works. It will be about creating an own version and the own thinking of every company. And that also, like, I think people miss the fact that a lot of companies they think are in Silicon Valley are not. You know, for example, Amazon. Amazon is not a Silicon Valley company, it's a Seattle company. Uh, they are born in Seattle and they built all their, their logistics and all of that on a shipping industry in Seattle near the port. And that will have been impossible in Silicon Valley. Uh, Microsoft is, is a Seattle company too. So, so it shows that it always happened that big companies are possible outside Silicon Valley. Just that Silicon Valley is super good at branding. So they, they, are, they give this illusion of monopoly around building big companies. They are super good at building pure internet good companies but they don't have the monopoly of ambition and, and venture. I'll ask one last question and then I'll open the questions with the audience. Um, it's more about, since we're at Le Wagon and we have a lot of Le Wagon students here. Um, so who is a Le Wagon student? Raise your hand, okay. I have a few of them. Le Wagon. You know the impossible word that no one knows how to say? You can say Le Wagon. The Wagon. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, my question was going to be on their behalf. So uh, if I'm a student at Le Wagon and I'm thinking about uh, building a company because I'm extremely passionate about my idea and I can't not do it, what, what would you tell them? What would you tell them about their choice of learning how to code themselves? Um, yeah, that's my question. Mm, that's per marketing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think, I think actually, I, I think it's a great thing because I think you should never, never, um, inside the company, you should never give to someone something to do that you don't know to do how yourself first. It's super important to always learn to do things by yourself before asking anyone else to do it for you. Because there is two value in that. First one is that no one can screw you, and so you can be able to see if it's good or not. Let's say you spend nine weeks at Le Wagon and you're super good at coding. You need to hire coders that are better than you. But you have a concrete point of what it means to be better than you. If, in nine, if someone you hire 
and is supposed to be an engineer for years and is worse than you after nine weeks at Le Wagon, even if I'm sure it's a great curriculum, you know that you are in big trouble, you know? So it's super important to do things by yourself. Uh, a good example of that, we have that with engineers all the time. Because engineers, they hire sales, like some people hired wizards. You know, because they never sell something in their life. So they have this relationship to sales that is very weird. And so they end up with really, really bad salespeople. And often I see them like 10 seconds and I know they are, they are bad because <laughs> I know how to sell something. So, so one of the things we do with engineers, we do what we call the motivation game. We tell them, you know what, you should do a game is that for the next three months, you will try to sell in the same time when you sell and see what happens. And then, in 99% of the case, they sell better than they sell. And then they are like, fuck, I'm supposed to be not good at that, and I'm doing better. So then they think that they are good at sell. And then you tell them, no, 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 you are bad. It's just that your definition of bad just takes some contrast. You know? And now, if you hire someone, you need to hire someone that's better than you. And then it gives a point of reference. So if you build a company, I think, one of the mistakes I see too much Le Wagon student doing when they build their company mm -hmm. is not looking for a CTO. It's thinking that because they code it for nine weeks, they are the CTO. That's a big mistake. It's because they know how to code that they can find a killer CTO. So they can move, try things, build a prototype, but very fast you need someone that is not coding for nine weeks, but coding for 15 years. Because it's not, it's not a joke to build a technological company. But Having go full of wagon is one of the best steps to be able to attract the talent like that. And, and some people at Le Wagon are exceptional, like the one that say, what's her name? Your super student in Germany? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, so I did, yeah. Le Wagon had one student that in two weeks became the best back-end uh, engineer of one of the most technical team in the family. And she's coming from a philosophy background. And, and in, 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 in one year, she was number one engineer in the company that hired her. So of course, that is also possible. Maybe you'll, you, will, you will discover that all your life, you waited to be able to cut. And no one told you that that was your, that was your special gift. But it doesn't happen very often, of course. Yeah, we actually had one student um, during my, my batch when I was a, a student as well at Le Wagon, and she came from a, she had done a bachelor in communication, so totally unrelated, and she was amazing. She was the best by far. Um, so yeah, you don't have to be have a to have a degree in maths to suddenly discover that you could be very good. Oh, yeah, good in coding. Well, thank you. Pleasure. That was that was good marketing. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Wagon Live. Tune in next week for another episode. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to our series by clicking the subscribe button.